Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching In Depth on Now You Know. You can help support our channel by going to ecoware.us, where we carbon offset the production, the shipping, and life cycle of every product, and we plant a tree for every order. So it's carbon negative. And we're brought to you by abetterrootplanner.com. You can click the link below and get 30-day free trial of the premium A Better Root Planner app. And we're sponsored by our friends at the solar-powered hotels in Schaumburg, Illinois, the Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott, and the Town Place Suite Hotel right next door. They're both connected and they're both solar powered and they both have EV charging. So last week we did a lot of conjecture about vehicle to grid stuff with Teslas. And we were just kind of, you know, hoping that maybe in the future Tesla would put some vehicle to grid software and hardware in the cars. Well, we had a lot of good reason to believe that, but we have even more evidence right now. So Marco Gaxiola, who is an engineer at Cruise right now in San Francisco, he did a teardown of the Model 3 when he used to work at Ford, which is a competitor of Tesla's. And he found that the Model 3 already has a bi-directional charger built in. He stated this on his LinkedIn this week. I believe this will be a big game changer for all the car companies looking to get into the EV market, but will also be an interesting new road to get into the utility market. Imagine that you own this vehicle and one morning you receive an update notification that will enable this feature, which will convert your vehicle into an energy storage V2G, V2V smart system with wheels. You will technically be able to take energy from any AC outlet at a good rate via your traditional L1 or L2 wall charger and later then drive somewhere else, plug back again into another L1, L2 charger. But instead of charging, you could potentially sell some of your Tesla juice back at a higher rate. This without the need of any electrical modifications on your Tesla, non-Tesla wall charger. So this is big news. Yeah, it is. Because remember, one of the reasons why many people said V2G wasn't really going to be a thing with Tesla is because Elon's never said that he really was going to do it. There's been some tweets implying that he might do it in the future, but there's never been like, a, oh, yeah, we're definitely on board with that. So everyone kind of thought, well, if he's not tweeting about it, then mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be a thing. But according to his LinkedIn, Gaxiola worked at Ford until March of 2019 as a high voltage electrical vehicle validation engineer. So first of all, that makes him very knowledgeable on what he's talking about mm -hmm. here. My conjecture here is that Gaxiola was part of a team that teared down the Model 3 and that he was probably compelled by an NDA not to say anything about this finding for probably 12 to 18 months. Now that he is at Cruise Automation, he was able to share his findings. And now that everyone is talking about V2G possibly happening, he's like, well, I better <laughs> better spill the beans now. It's, you know, if I wait for battery day and they talk about it, I can't just be like, oh, I knew that. <laughs> he knows that, you know, right. you can't do that. This is actually new information. Now, he told Electrek, what I learned on reverse engineering the Model 3 charger was that the design is fully bi-directional. This means power can be converted from AC to DC the same way as the previous example, but also power can flow in reverse direction, coming from the battery and ending up on the AC side. This is known as DC to AC inverter. And when this technology is present in a vehicle, it is known as V to G, vehicle to grid. So Shout out to Electric for finding that and mm -hmm. getting that. And we confirmed that this is what he said on his LinkedIn. He also published this schematic of what he found. So if you're looking at this schematic and you're not an electrical engineer, you might be saying it looks like something repeated three times. Well, there's a reason for that. Gaxiola went on to say, to complement this, the bi-directional design is replicated three times across the same PCB on the Model 3 charger. Another example of redundant design that assures a working process 
even if one of the circuits fails. Additionally, it is a three-phase design, so it can be used worldwide. Let's just talk about some of the implications from this, right? Because it's confusing to a lot of people. Why would you put this charger into the Model 3 from, you know, maybe all the way back in December of 2017? Possibly or, or 2018 right. or, you know, at some point. When they didn't have the battery technology to be able to use the cars as batteries. And let's remind people why a 1 million mile battery would be a much better choice for a vehicle to grid. Basically, you're going to be able to get more charge cycles out of that 1 million mile battery. And this is just a this is just a term now. We just say 1 million mile battery. Uh, you know, there's a lot of technical mumbo jumbo that has to actually go into it. But it's basically increasing the number of cycles that you can cycle a battery. Right. If you can only cycle your battery, let's say a, th a thousand times or 2000 times, then it's pretty much only good as your car because that's about the number of times you're going to use it as a car. But if you can get that up to 4,000, 5,000 cycles, then there's a whole lot of cycles you'd probably never use as the car that could now be used by the grid. So that's why the 1 million mile battery is so important. Right. But if there's already this bi-directional charger in all the Model 3s and possibly all the Model Ys and possibly all the other Tesla cars for all we know, kind of presents a nice little battery backup system. Yeah, because what we talked about in our last episode was that you really wouldn't want to use existing Teslas to be vehicle to grid. But there is a use case for why you would. Uh, for instance, if the power goes out right now at your house, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to spare a cycle or two to plug in your car in the driveway to your house and have it power your house. You'd be like, well, it's worth the cycle so that I can have power now. Right. Oh, great. Now all of the things in my freezer and refrigerator don't spoil. Right. Uh, that's totally, totally worth it. So I think this was a big clue, though, the fact that Tesla had already installed this way before when they needed it. I mean, think about this for a second. No other car company puts something in a car unless they want to immediately talk about it and sell it to you. They don't put it in a cup holder and keep it hidden beneath the <laughs> shroud and be like, three years later, all the time you had a cup holder there and now you have it. Right. Tesla put this in, I believe, because let's talk about Elon's timelines, right? When Elon thinks something's going to happen, He's almost always been right about it actually happening. It's usually the timeline that's been off. Right. So is it possible that in 2017 or 2018, Elon said, let's start putting those V2G chargers in mm -hmm. because I think any day now we're going to have the right battery technology. Right. But then they probably didn't get to the battery on the timeline that he thought. Well, and let's keep in mind, let's think about, let's go back in time to 2017, 2018. No one on earth was saying that this was going to be a successful company. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, except for us um, and, and plenty of other people. But I'm just saying in the media, it was portrayed as they're going out of business. Right. But to their mindset, right? They're, they're so focused on getting the Model 3 produced, they probably weren't able to put their focus of engineering and talent and resources into making the million mile battery. But now they've reached this plateau where the Model 3 is selling very well. The Model Y has just come out. Um, they're building gigafactories all over the world. They are winning in, as far as the definition goes. Like they're doing really, really well. It makes sense that you're going to say, okay, you know, all those things you had told me, Jeff Don or JB or whoever, let's let's get down to business. Let's make this one million mile battery. And if this is true, every existing Tesla, all million of them mm -hmm. can be a battery backup. Then you just increase the value of those cars. OK, so let me just ask you if since maybe 2017, 2018, uh, all the cars had bidirectional chargers in them. Uh, why didn't Sandy Monroe tell us about them? Because he that's his job is to tear down cars and tell us everything that there is to know about them. 
Well, to my knowledge, and I've watched uh, pretty much every video that Sandy has put out in the past couple of years, I don't believe Sandy has really disclosed anything publicly about the Model 3 or Model Y chargers. That doesn't mean that he and his team haven't discovered this. There are many secrets that he only discloses to clients that pay for his in-depth reports. And that makes total sense, right? Sandy has to pay the bills. If he gives away everything on YouTube about what he finds in the car, then he's just a YouTuber and that's the only way he makes his money. Mm. He needs to make money. He sells those reports for tens of thousands of dollars. Right. I've got to believe that one of the things in those reports is telling you all about the charging. And so there's probably some OEMs that have known about this. Okay, so there are bi-directional chargers in the Tesla Model 3. That is so exciting because it puts credence into everything that we talked about in our last in-depth. Yes. Um, Why would you bother putting the expense of bi-directional charging in and put it in a couple of years ago right. if you weren't planning all along to do this? So how does this relate with the new high power wall charger that Tesla came out with? This is the one with the glass in the front and it has Wi-Fi connectivity. Now, one of the things that the Wi-Fi was supposed to do was to help your power walls in the case of a power outage to basically stop charging your cars so that way you don't run down your, uh, your power walls. But maybe there's some more stuff. Could the new hardware in those chargers give you the ability to allow your Tesla system to understand what's going on? Yeah, I mean, so let's just talk about this for a second. If you get a power wall installed in your house, they don't just put in a power wall and plug it into the wall. Right. There's a couple, there's a bunch of steps involved. Uh, one of them is putting a, a switch or a contactor in between you and the grid. Mm -hmm. So when you lose power, your smart power wall will say, oh, the grid is no longer giving us power. Let's disconnect from the grid. And now I will provide power to your house. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't have that switch, you'd be giving power to the grid. Right. And the grid might not be in the best shape. Like there, right. there might be a tree that's knocked down. And if you start supplying power to the grid that they shut down to do line work on, you could be killing people. Exactly. So that's why you have that contactor there. They put that in there. They're, you know, Tesla smart people that, and it's the same thing with any generator, right. any backup generator that, that you might have. You have to be able to take your house offline, off the grid and just power your own little house. So the one problem right now with, if you have a bi-directional charging car, which suddenly I do, <laughs> right? How crazy is that? I yeah. suddenly have a bi-directional charging car and a charger that goes somewhere into your house mm -hmm. uh, electrically. You need to have that contactor to disconnect you from the grid right. or else you don't have battery backup. Right. And this is a really big point because you, you would think after watching this video that you're all going to just run out and start plugging in your cars and be like, yahoo. No, first of all, it has to be turned on by software. So you won't get it till they mm -hmm. turn it on. And B, even if they somehow turned it on and you could plug it into your house, uh, you can't have it plugged into the house without that contactor switch, without it being installed by electricians. So and that's not all of it. Right. Um, <laughs> So I just want to conjecture the next step, the next evolution of houses, because if we've talked about this before, um, many things in your house are have been that way for decades. They're pretty dumb. And one of those things that's dumb is your electrical panel. If you go over to it right now and, and you open it up, you'll see there's a bunch of breakers, which you physically switch with your hand. And there's just basically a magnet and a spring in there. So, you know, through some electrical magic, uh, the breaker clicks, shuts off the circuit so that nothing gets harmed. But that's been that way since... I don't know, uh, the 30s and 40s when you used to have little actual screw-in fuses. Right. Um, and so this was a big achievement, right, to have these <laughs> things that you click. <laughs> now your... you don't have to buy a new fuse. Right. You just click it. Oh, wow, I saved myself 30 cents. Or put a penny behind it like my grandfather used to do. <laughs> 
Defeating um, the point of the fuse. Yes. But anyway, uh, so what I'm conjecturing here is that we need to enter the next phase of technology here and have a smart circuit box, a smart electrical panel. And there's a former employee that left Tesla and started a smart circuit box company called Span. And obviously, to me, this is because people in the know knew that this was needed and it was a coming technology. So this isn't something I've invented. This is something that's actually coming. Smart electrical boxes. But so I want to talk about finally, because whenever there's some electrical problem and you have to go switch the breaker, you have to go down, usually exactly. in the basement, you have to move all the crap out of the way of the box. Then you open it up and you're like, oh, I should really label this at some point. <laughs> right. And then you're like flipping, flicking breakers to find out which one it is. And so meanwhile, I'm upstairs and you're and you're yelling like, is it that one? And I'm like, what? Is it? Is it this one? And I'm like, no. How about now? Okay, it's that's it. We're still doing that now. It's right. 2020. Well, sometimes we get on our cell phones, but and that yeah. was when we figured that out. That was huge. Right. But now with a smart circuit breaker, you could just pull out your phone exactly and go click. But that's that's the basic. That is the most rudimentary. Right use of this because if you have a truly smart and connected circuit breaker there's a lot of stuff you can do you can buy physical smart plugs right that you plug into your dumb outlet and make it a smart outlet because now it's a wi-fi connected outlet mm -hmm. and that's great and they're not that expensive so a lot of people do it we do it right here in the studio we can tell the studio to turn on magically um but what if you had a smart circuit breaker talking to smart outlets. Then you can start to do a lot of things that you may not have even thought about doing. Because right now when you have a smart outlet, you can say, you know, um, Schmulflexa, why don't you turn on the living room lights? And it'll go, okay, or I didn't understand you. That is the extent at which it can do stuff. It's right. just whatever you tell it to do, turn on or off. I'd like to talk about safety for a second. So for instance, if you had a smart panel plugged into a smart outlet, that outlet could be dead to you until it livened itself up. So, so it would have a contactor on the back, just right. like a kind of like a little electrical switch that is um, controlled by your circuit breaker. Right. And then when you plug something into it, say uh, a toaster or a fork, it could do a quick check right. of like, hmm, this is a short circuit. Uh, I'm not going to provide any power to this at the outlet level. Right. Instead of blowing the breaker, turning off everything, you know, in that's connected to that circuit, it could just say this outlet isn't going to turn on because you've stuck a fork in it. Now, you might be saying, wait, Zach and Jesse, they already have this. They have GFCIs. They have ground fault interrupt uh, outlets. And those are dumb. Those are basically using uh, their sensing for a ground fault and quickly shutting off the power before you get hurt. And so those are great. That was a great invention. It saved a lot of people's lives. But what I'm talking about is going even further than that. They could sense all sorts of things about the thing you're plugging in. For instance, let's say you walked into the kitchen and you were about to plug in, let's say, your blender and turn it on. The circuit could say, wait a minute, you've already got the toaster running. So if you start the blender, we're going to have too much power on that circuit. So I just won't start that. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a notification on your phone to say, um, maybe wait five minutes to run your blender or plug it into a different circuit. Right. The, there's too much load on your circuit. Go find another one. Or a kid wants to stick something, you know, into the outlet. It won't be alive. It won't hurt that person. And right. in the United States, we have, you know, 110 or 120 volts in our outlets, which can kill you. But in many other parts of the country, there's 220 volts in their outlets. Which and, can really kill you. Yeah. You'll be really dead. <laughs> right. Um, absolutely. Each of these outlets could also be measuring how much power was going through them. 
Yeah, that's a really important point. So, I mean, not just in the case of like, oh, my toaster and my hairdryer are running on the same circuit and it's not going to allow me to break blow the breaker, thus ruining my toast. It's also going to be able to say, hey, this outlet seems to be drawing a lot of power. You haven't told me that it is a heater or a hairdryer or a refrigerator. Yeah, let's talk about the refrigerator for a second. A lot of us have refrigerators that sit there for years and they're slowly getting less and less efficient as maybe the compressor is leaking or the compressor coils are getting covered with lint. This could st start to tell you, hey, you know what? You're that device has been using more and more power. Maybe it's time to either have it serviced or replaced. Right. And that's just one little tiny thing, because now what you could do would be to have a graph of every single outlet in your house. And you can set certain outlets up for things that are plugged in all the time, like, you know, refrigerators and toasters and maybe even, you know, washing machines. But you could also have it for every other outlet in your house and then be able to just look at a graph at any point in time or a graph over time to see what is drawing the most power. How about we go one step further? What if we give control of that smart panel to AutoBidder? Now this is where it gets interesting. Yeah, so we've talked about on our last in-depth about AutoBidder, that's Tesla's software for controlling small grids, big grids, allowing them to bid on contracts for power. Right, so this is usually used for solar and power walls, power packs, right? Where you're essentially becoming a virtual power plant. You're saying like, I'm gonna give you power. I'm gonna buy power now and it's cheap. It's essentially a broker for energy that is AI. But check this out. What if we added my house with a smart panel to AutoBidder so that now AutoBidder could now start to arbitrage my house on the grid? And so what do we mean by that? So for instance, here's an example that Jesse had, which was if the price of energy is gonna be uh, very low during the day, and I've got say solar on the roof, and let's say uh, I don't have any power walls or my power walls are full, mm -hmm. I could start to turn on the air conditioning in my house and chill my house down really, really cool in the summer, cooler than I even want it to be, almost like acting like a battery of coolness so that when I get home, I won't have to run my air conditioner at all for the rest of the day. Because essentially, if the price of electricity is low and you're making free power from the solar panels and your batteries are full, then it kind of makes sense to invest some energy to either cooling your house, cooling your freezer, doing other things that are kind of storing that energy in, in different ways. Or you could be selling it to the grid or you could be charging your car or you could be doing a, a multitude of other things. But to have an AI that's constantly thinking about that and also connected to the larger auto bidder above it saying like, what is the grid going to be doing in a couple hours? Like, right. should I be saving energy now or should I be spending energy now or should I be saving energy now? All of that combined together is going to make for a very, very strong and interesting auto better experience. So a week ago, there was uh, trees downed everywhere in our neighborhood and the power went out throughout the neighborhood for three days and our power walls took over. And so we never lost power at all. Through our solar system during the day, powering up the batteries, we were able to run the house for three days straight without losing power until the grid came back on. Right, and this was great because uh, if you watch Tesla Time News, that was completely solar and battery powered. But that was all with a dumb panel. If we had had a smart panel, Instead of Jesse and I having to run around the house and, you know, say like, maybe we shouldn't have this refrigerator running right now, or maybe we should shut off those extra computers. The smart panel could have said, geesh, uh, it doesn't look like power is going to be restored for a couple of days. Do you want me to take some drastic measures and shut some certain circuits down? Right. Because what we were experiencing during that time was that the house was pulling consistently about 1.5 kilowatts. And 
we weren't sure what was pulling it. We knew the refrigerator was going to pull some. Right. We have a mini fridge somewhere else. And then it's like, is it the TV? Is it, did someone leave a fan on somewhere? Right. You know, did we leave a room full of 100 watt light bulbs on? Right. We have no idea. Right. So we don't know where the power is being used. If we, if we could look at a graph and just be like, oh, Someone left the heater on down in the down in the basement, then we could go shut it off. And this brings up another powerful thing that you could do with a smart panel. So right now, if you want your room to say shut off when you leave, you can install a motion detector and a few other smart switches, mm -hmm. right? But without installing any of that, you could have AI on your smart panel that would say, hmm, uh, when Jesse is not using his computer for a few minutes and uh, his smartphone tells me that he's driven to work, I will shut off these rooms in the house because I know he's not there. And then minutes before he gets home, it can turn things on, get the air conditioner running, get the music playing the way he likes, so that without any smart switches, just this smart panel, it could do all that. And this brings up the point going back to uh, turning these 1 million Teslas that we have right now that seem to have V to G in them, turning them into battery backups for your house. Right. So for instance, when we had lost power for two to three days, if it had kept going, we don't have enough solar on our roof to fully replenish all of the energy that we're going to use over the span of like a week or a week and a half because the grid didn't want us to have right. enough solar. They, they limited us to nine kilowatts, right? Um, which is a completely different issue. <laughs> but what we could have done if our cars were truly V to G would be we could go somewhere else where there was power, charge up, say at a supercharger, 20 minutes, come back and power the house for days. And so I wanna just talk about this. So if this is true, and if Tesla can turn this on, then what does the value of your existing Tesla become? If you can now say that it is now a backup battery for your house, because if I would have spent say three or $4,000 for a backup generator, and this can provide even more power than that, right? So you could easily argue that it's worth three or $4,000 more as soon as Elon turns that on. And so another way to look at it is if you wanted to buy a bunch of power walls to, to have battery backup in your house, you would be spending $20,000, $30,000 in power walls just to have the same amount of battery capacity as a long range Model 3. Well, you know what? I did some research. You know about the power walls already. Those cost about $6,000 and give you 13.5 kilowatt hours of energy. Mm -hmm. But there's the next step up, right? There's the power pack. The power pack, right. Now, what's in a power pack? It's uh, 200 kilowatt hours. 200 kilowatt hours. So in our driveway right now, you've got your Model 3. We've got Jennifer's Model 3. We've got my Model X. That's over 200 kilowatt hours of battery storage. Do you know how much a power pack costs? No. $172,000. Wow. So in our driveway right now, we, we have a power pack. We have more than a power pack of energy. Wow. So we have a power. I mean, I didn't even think of it this way, that we have a power pack worth of energy sitting in our driveway. Yeah. So every three Teslas is roughly worth one power pack. More than a power pack. It's more than a power pack because it's three cars <laughs> that can drive around and do other things. Yeah. Just wrap your head around that for a second. All right. But let's go back to the smart panel because yeah. I'm coming up with even more ideas here I know, as right? we're just sitting here. I know. So, I mean, your smart panel could have a very small battery in it, just a small backup battery to kind of run things if oh, the, power the power goes, goes out, out. Mm -hmm. um, if you didn't have power walls. So it could notify your phone to say, hey, you've lost power. Go plug in your car. Oh, right. And then you could plug in your car. Everything comes back online. Or 
let's say you do have your car plugged in or you have power walls. It could say, hey, you've lost power. According to the priority list that you have, here are the things that we can shut off and give you kind of an estimate as to how long your system is going to last. Mm. It can kind of do a little bit of math with the solar, like, oh, tomorrow it's going to be cloudy, so you're not going to make as much solar energy, or it's going to be really sunny. So we're going to change our strategy based on, and here's where the auto bidder part comes in, higher levels of auto bidder are going to know what the grid is doing. So if the grid has, if there's been some horrible, horrible storm, some tornado has just ripped across half your state and power is going to be a while coming, it's going to change your your battery, your storage strategy. It's going to say, you just need to keep your refrigerator on. Let's shut off all the lights. Let's shut off all the computers. Let's just keep you alive and safe. Or it's going to say, hey, you know, it looks like just a transformer blew in your area. It's going to be back up in 30 minutes. Let's keep charging your cars. Let's keep all the lights on and the TV. You know, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. This is all on your phone. You can make the decision. If it's wrong, you can say, no, shut everything off or keep everything on or keep on the refrigerator, the TV and the and, you know, my heater. And to the next level, you just talked about a power outage. But to the next level, AutoBidder could strengthen the power wall solar system that I have now by saying, Okay, the power's fine. There's no one losing power. But uh, we're predicting that at 8 o'clock tonight, there's going to be a lot of people watching the Super Bowl. So there'll be an extra surcharge on electricity. Would you like to sell more electricity at that time to the grid? Because now we should start saving the energy in your battery. Right. And we could save more energy in the battery if we shut off, you know, the fan in your bathroom and, you know, the lights that you left on in the basement. Right. I mean, it could be doing smart things all the time, but it could be saying like, hey, how do you like to make five dollars? Right. Hey, all the time. You're just like, would you like to save five dollars or would you like to make ten bucks? Right. You know, exactly. If you were just constantly getting notifications like, yes, I would like to do that or no, I'm doing something important. How cool would that be? Now, this is all before autonomy even enters the picture. I want to mention a tweet that Elon just tweeted out about how he thinks the value of full self-driving is going to be $100,000 per car. So what we're talking about here is just been V2G and AutoBidder. But if you add AutoBidder to autonomy, it increases the value of the car even more. So get this. Charge your car where and when it's cheapest. And then while the car is waiting for passengers, it could be charging or discharging to make money. Right. And you can be setting certain thresholds to, you know, I don't want to put wear and tear on like the brakes and the tires and the, you know, exterior of my car. So I only want the car to go out and pick people up if we're going to be making a certain amount of money. The rest of the time, it's going to be grid tied storage. Right. You're making another revenue stream with your car. And here's another thought. Even if another competitor to Tesla comes up with an autonomous car. So right. let's say that, um, you know, Waymo or somebody comes out with, hey, we've got an autonomous car now. If their autonomous car doesn't have auto bidder and the ability to do V to G charging, then even with that autonomous technology, they're not going to be able to compete with Teslas that have V to G technology. Absolutely. And, you know, th- we're talking about all these benefits to you personally, but there is a much bigger, greater benefit to everyone on Earth And that is that it strengthens the grid and it allows for more renewable energy generation, specifically solar. Right. I mean, as we've been seeing around the world today, we want to come out of this period that we're in with answers to bring us more resilient infrastructures and less weak links. What we're finding now is that the systems we have today are only as strong as the weakest link. And right now, 
There are just tons of weak links baked into the power system. For example, I mean, after a storm like we just had or ice storms that we've had in the past, uh, generator sales spike. People just are, I need to get a generator because of course you do. If you lose power in a, in a t terrible storm, you're going to need to stay alive and power is part of that. This is a great value proposition for anyone who's considering buying a Tesla, putting solar on their roof. If Tesla could say, hey, while you're installing your high-powered wall charger, we'll come downstairs, we'll add a contactor to your house to disconnect it from the grid, maybe we'll throw in a power pack, you know, whatever you want to do. If you could do that and now have backup power from your car, which as we said before, is a lot of power, that is a huge, huge, huge value proposition. Yeah, and let's talk about Tesla from the point of view of a company selling you a product. Right now, everyone just focuses on their cars. But once you've entered their universe of power, if they can turn on V2G and VPP, then now they can upsell you solar, power walls, some kind of connection to the grid. Now you're on their autonomy network. Now they're now you're on their VPP network. Like now you're much, much bigger part of your life becomes Tesla. Kind of like how when you enter the Apple family, for instance, mm -hmm. it's not usually just an iPhone. It's usually their whole universe of products and software. Right. So that becomes a huge change in what we've been talking about for years where Tesla is not just a car company. Right. And this stuff is going to be making you money or it's going to be making money in general. Right. And who gets the money? can all be dependent on Tesla. They right. could say, hey, you know, uh, you want to buy a car? Okay, you are, are you willing to let us use the battery for most of the time as we talked about in our last In-Depth? We'll sell you the car at a fraction of, of, the, of the cost because you're going to be leasing the battery from us for a much cheaper price because we're going to be in charge of your auto bidder. Or you say, I want to buy the car full price. I'm going to be making the money from auto bidder. Depends on if Tesla lets you do that. But there's lots of different options where you're still going to get battery backup in your house. If you're hearing these ideas and you're thinking, well, this sounds just, wow, I can't even absorb this. And then you start reading the comments below. I'm sure you're going to read in the comments plenty of people who think that this is impossible and they're going to give you reasons why it's impossible. Just like there's people who said it was impossible to land rockets or to make electric cars or to make cars that are as autonomous as they are today. Or to have electricity in your house. Right. I there mean, were people who were just like, you can't possibly, the house is going to burn down. Right. You can't do it. I mean, light bulbs used to only last for about two hours. We've made tremendous progress. And the reason why we can make that progress is because we can imagine it. As soon as we stop being able to imagine things because we think it sounds too hard or it doesn't sound feasible. Or it sounds too expensive. That's when we don't have these things. It's the dreamers out there who can actually dream this up that make it a reality. So are we sure that this is what's going to be announced on Battery Day? No. But Elon did say this is going to come in two parts now. A lot of what we talked about took two videos of time just to get out. It could be feasible that Elon's got a bunch of different things coming out that's going to take a while to discuss. Right, because I mean, we barely talked about the one million mile battery. Right. Um, once you have that. Makes all this possible. It makes a lot of this possible, but I'm just so excited for, you know, I'm excited about changing the way we do things from, you know, this 1950s, you know, breakers and stuff into the the future in the real world of a smart house. Yeah. No, no longer is the idea of this smart house, this like, you know, Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey trying to kill you thing. If it's just turning on and off outlets that is going to save you money and save everyone, you know, power, 
that's that is huge. Yeah, and it's not just homes; it's businesses. Think yeah. of, I mean, businesses are the the same thing. They've got electrical panels, and if those panels are smart, think of how much money and efficiency we're going to be able to get back. Yeah, I mean, this is similar to what we were talking about, Brainbox AI. We did that interview with the CTO a while ago. It was basically smart panels, but for large buildings. Yeah, um, this is a similar idea in the smaller scale, and we. Didn't even scratch the surface on the AI part. Right. I mean, we were just talking about very simple programs. But I mean, yes, as soon as you put AI into a smart panel, you're going to get amazing things out of that because they're going to have so much information about how your house operates. So, I mean, smart switches are awesome. Like I urge you guys to go get some and install them. But that's just one little outlet of your house. If your whole house or whole business now is smart, imagine what you can save. Right. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode of In-Depth. We come out with it every single week. We also have Tesla Time News that comes out every Monday. Uh, we have lots of other content. We highly encourage you to see all of it. The best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button and also the bell icon, which gives you notifications for when we come up with new videos. And if this is too long form for you, but you want to share some ideas, we've got a clips channel where you can head on over there and share very small bite-sized clips with other people so that the information can flow. I don't know about you, Jesse, but my mind was blown. So yeah. this has been two episodes where my mind is blown. I'm yeah. going to need a break. I'm going to need a smart <laughs> panel. Thank you so much for watching. Now I you know. know.